I almost had her. She had to fight it back. I did. Yeah. She's going to yawn here in a minute, though. I can just tell. No. It's on her face. Is it? Yeah. All over? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, so today, uh, we're going to be going through more of the Bible. Yeah. Are you guys ready to learn more about the Bible right now? Oh, please. Please, honey, teach well, us about the Bible. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you everything that you need to know for today's um, for today's broadcast um you're not going to really need to listen past this point because this is just going to be verbatim what's in the book no we're you're definitely going to need to listen past the intro and mm-hmm. no it, it's pretty you're going to find yourself saying ah, that's not wrong that has never happened no that that is it has I mean, never that, happened that has happened you said you're not wrong you were pretty spot on have we ever not continued and read what it actually says? I mean, yeah, we've always read past and read the uh-huh. uh, exact literal words that right. are, like in the Bible. But, right. You know. Yeah. But you go ahead. We'll learn so many things from you. I think, honestly, I think people like your version better anyway. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. So last time in the Bible, God was a pretty judgy bitch. <laughs> Today, Heezy is going to meet his maker, though. Uh, first off, before Heezy meets his maker, um, Assyria is going to attack Judah and take some cities. Heezy completely bitches out and pays Assyria that sweet cush money that they still owe him. Uh, Heezy even had to bum some money off God, which God was pretty pissed about. I'm going to tell you right now. I mean, he had one of those angry shits, just not even discussed. <laughs> um, Heezy then got sick, so he gonna be dead. Heezy then asked God to remember him in like one of those really dramatic things, like last words, like, God, remember me, kind of things. Um, but God's like, hey, 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 hey. I just found 15 years of life in my lint trap. Thought you could use it, bro. And so Heezy, being a stingy fuck that he is, he doesn't believe God, says that he needs a sign in order to prove that God has the 15 years that he owes him. Well, I'm sure Heezy thinks that God owes him the 15 years. Heezy was like, do something really crazy there, God. Like, make the earth go in reverse for a few minutes. And so God be like, the fuck? Is this fucker serious? But God ultimately gives him a sign, makes the earth do a moonwalk backwards. Heezy then writes a thank you rap to God. (laughs) Are you going to read it as a rap? No. Okay. I might. Okay. God, though, does not like the rap, and so God got really pissed and was about to bitch slap him. Um, But Heezy quickly gave him an apology and just sent him a thank you note. Well, apparently that thank you note was really great because God loved the note and he gave him all the best things in the land, including all the best bitches. (laughs) 
Isaiah was really pissed about how happy Heezy was, though, so he passive-aggressively threatened uh, that Heezy would lose all of his shit and his sons would get their balls cut off. I don't exactly know how you passive-aggressively do that, but Isaiah did that. I'm not sure there's a passive-aggressive way to cut someone's balls off. There could be. If somebody was going to do it, Isaiah was going to be the one. And then there were some cherubs over in Assyria, and they invaded Judah again. Hezi then blocked all of the ports for some reason, and he said, chill out. God is here. He gonna fuck them up. The Assyrians, though, did their whole, like, talking shit thing uh, to the Judeans about God. Uh, a bunch of old people then got naked and told Heezy, who also stripped, uh, told Heezy about all the shit talking about God, and then Heezy stripped naked to ask God some questions. <laughs> God says, yo, 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 never mind them bitches. Boo, I got you. <laughs> the Assyrians then pull back and start shit talking again, but directly to Heezy this time. Isaiah says, don't worry, and so nobody worried. That night, Jesus came in, and he, John, wicked 185,000 of them motherfuckers. That's true. Judah then, see, I told you you'd say that. <laughs> Judah then does really well for the next few years, and he, de he -Z, dies happy. He becomes an anal king. I'm guessing that means that God finished the... Anal fucking. That's not what happened. But that's it. He's, he's dead. He did. <laughs> you were still going to have to read it. What? You said that's not the, what did you say? That's true. That's true. Well, you the, said that's true. To the one thing. Mm, he we John all know that one thing applies to the entire thing. No. No. Mm. No. That's how that works. What's up, heathens? How, how y'all doing? doing? So, we had a little bit of talk during the intro. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I got some shit wrong. Um, so, we're going to have to go through the entire thing. Sorry. Sorry, no, guys. Yeah. I tried to condense it down, but I always fuck up. Well, I mean, sometimes it's just that you, sometimes you just go a little out there. Yeah. There's definitely Jesus and cherubs in this, though. Mm-hmm. You know, cherubs, those little, those little rosy cheek fucks that God has? No. No. What? No. I remember the word cherub. Sennacherub. That's the king of Assyria. That's his name. Oh. I mean, did, were his parents cherubs, and now he's just like pissed off at dad. I don't think so. I don't know. Anyways, let's get let's let's get to it. We got a lot of shit to cover. <laughs> okay, so today we're gonna go through. We're gonna have a little bit of Isaiah. Um, we're gonna have some Second Kings and some Second Chronicles. Right? Is that what we're doing? Mm, yep. Yeah. So. Um, and again, for a reminder, if anybody hasn't seen this or if you've seen it and you haven't heard this, uh, the Daily Bible uh, is based off of a book that has the Bible 
stories written in chronological order. Now it is the entire Bible, but it's in chronological order. So you've got a mix and you go kind of back and forth. Um, there are a lot of things that are in Second Kings and Second Chronicles that are similar or they're pieces of the same story. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of pushes them all, puts them all together. All right. Right. Yeah. So are you ready to start? I'm, I mean, my butthole's puckered. <laughs> okay. Good, good, good to know. We, we didn't actually need to know that. Just didn't know if you were ready to start. I'm ready to start. Okay. So, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. So, Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent this message to the king of Assyria at Lachish. I have done wrong. Withdraw from me and I will pay whatever you demand of me. The king of Assyria exacted from Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and 30 talents of gold. So uh, 300 talents of silver is about 11 tons of silver and 30 talents of gold is about a ton of gold. So Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the temple of the Lord and in the treasuries of the royal palace. At this time, Hezekiah, king of Judah, stripped all off the gold with which he had covered the doors and doorposts of the temple of the Lord and gave it to the king of Assyria. That is not going to make God happy. That's the exact kind of thing that pisses God the fucketh off. Well, generally, yes, but it seems like he kind of had to do this in order to get uh, the king of Assyria off his ass Mm -hmm. at this point in time. But not a whole, there's not really a big deal made about him doing this at this point in time. Okay. Okay. So in those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, this is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, this is true. Hezekiah was a much, uh, much more devout and loyal king of Judah than they had had in in quite some time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will hear you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. uh, And and a poultice is like a, it's like a soft kind of, um, I don't know. Penis. No, it's like, it's like, (laughs) it's like a soft concoction kind of that you make out of usually like plant or other kind of food material that, that you'd put on a wound to help with inflammation. And you usually, um, you usually put it on and then put a cloth over it. So you make this like soft pasty kind of stuff to Mm. put on. Yeah. Um, is it, do you remember in gladiator when he's like picked up? by the traveling caravan mm-hmm. and he's got that knife wound in his shoulder and they make that yes it's the, like that yeah okay okay um 
So I can help. <laughs> thank you. So Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah asked Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me and I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now? Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? Now, a little bit of context here. Um, they're talking about a sundial. Mm-hmm. And in uh, Hezekiah's chambers, he has a stair step kind of uh, sundial. So when he says, go forward 10 steps or back 10 steps, he's talking about the steps on the sundial. Okay. Okay. Um, it is a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, says Hezekiah. Rather have it go back 10 steps. So Hezekiah is asking or telling Isaiah he wants a sign from God and he wants something that's miraculous. Because if if a sundial moves forward, I mean, if it moved forward 10 steps immediately, that would be significant, right? Mm-hmm. But he wants an even more miraculous, have him move it backwards 10 steps. So, I mean, I'm just kind of curious why this is even needed, like a sign from God to prove that he's got like the extra 15 years on him. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really know why. And and a lot of times, like, especially earlier in the Old Testament, they talk a lot about not testing God. Yeah. And so the fact that he's asking for a sign here, it doesn't even seem to upset God or anything. It, it's I'm, I'm not he's really sober. Sure. He's so <laughs> Well, so at this point, prophet Isaiah called on the Lord and the Lord made the shadow go back 10 steps as it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. So. So just literally turn back time. Yes. He turned back the shadow on the sundial. Mm-hmm. So he turned back time 10 steps. We don't know how much time that is, but that's what they're saying happened. That was a miracle. Well, that God like, that was performed. So, um, let me uh, allow me to fuck up the Bible with some science here, real quick. Okay. So basically, um, the Earth rotates around its axis at a certain speed, right? Yeah. And um, where they're at, it's you know somewhat near the equator where this would be taking place at. Sure. Um, and so. In order for this to actually happen, which this doesn't ever happen, but in order for this to happen, the Earth would have to come to, one, a complete stop, and then also reverse speed and and, and immediate, instantaneously get back up to the speed that it was originally turning at, stop again, and, go back and then go back forward. <laughs> so you're literally talking about God holding the earth and shaking it a couple times. Yeah. Right. And that would cause some major fucking whiplash, right? It, for, it's not physically possible for all of that. The, the sheer momentum that the earth is rotating at would cause like everything to like fly one way mm-hmm. and then cause everything to fly another way and then cause it to fly another way back. Oh yeah, it definitely wouldn't just have the impact of moving the shadow. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course, I mean, you know, perhaps perhaps that's all they're claiming is that he just moved the shadow. Like that he didn't actually 
move time, but that he just moved the shadow. But in order to, in order for the shadow to move, unless it was being manipulated by a supernatural force, mm-hmm. what you described is what would have had to have happened. Mm-hmm. And that's not possible. Right. Also didn't happen because, well, I would say that shit would be recorded in history, but we wouldn't be here anymore if that happened. <laughs> like, that's true. <laughs> that we wouldn't have been here to record it. But or to hey, record this. When it's magical as fuck, yeah. do you really need to explain shit with science? No. So, Hezekiah, because he was he was given that um he was he was given that sign and he was healed. He um wrote a basically a a psalm of thanksgiving kind of right in isaiah it's it's documented in isaiah um to thank god after his illness and recovery okay okay i said in the prime of my life must i go through the gates of death and be robbed of the rest of my years i said i will not again see the lord himself in the land of the living no longer will i look on my fellow man or be with those who now dwell in this world like a shepherd's tent my house has been pulled down and taken from me Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life, and he has cut me off from the loom. Day and night you made an end of me. I waited patiently till dawn, but like a lion he broke all my bones. Day and night you made an end of me. I cried like a swift or thrush. I moaned like a morning dove. My eyes grew weak as I looked to the heavens. I am being threatened. Lord, come to my aid. But what can I say? He has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. Which I think is an interesting line. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. And, you know, religious people, uh, Christians, especially now, um, they talk about this. You know, mm-hmm. they talk about how God will never give you more than you can handle. And that through your suffering, you learn things that you're, that you're supposed to learn. Right. And grow through your suffering. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't dismiss the idea that when you go through hardships, generally you learn things. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. I'm not claiming that that doesn't happen because that does happen through some of the hardest things that I've gone through in my life. I've learned things, but I also think that it's, I don't know. I think it's kind of weird to, to talk about how it's beneficial that you suffer these things. Suffering these things is part, suffering things is part of life. Mm -hmm. Right. But I don't necessarily think that, I think it's, it's difficult for me to grasp that an almighty God would need to make his subjects suffer in order for them to benefit. You know what I mean? That doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. That doesn't logically flow. That shouldn't be necessary. Yeah, I agree. The need of suffering uh, by God doesn't really make sense. If he's supposed to be the um, all knowing mm-hmm. and all powerful, you would think that he would know of a way to accomplish the same thing without having to, cause suffering but apparently he just doesn't have every he doesn't know everything or something i don't know 
Well, and it says, in your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all of my sins behind your back. So basically, God, he he gives, he understands that God is the one that caused him to suffer, because, but it was because of things he did, right? He was being punished. And, but that God kept him from falling into the pit of despair, of destruction. And then he forgave him of his sins. So like, all of the, there's no blame and all credit. It's very bizarre how how the mindset here works. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says, for the grave cannot praise you, death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living they praise you as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Hmm. So that's his Thanksgiving, like writing prayer, praise thing to, yeah, (laughs) to God. Um, But Hezekiah's heart was proud and he did not respond to the kindness shown to him. Therefore, the Lord's wrath was on him and on Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah repented of all the pride of his heart, as did the people of Jerusalem. Therefore, the Lord's wrath did not come on them during the days of Hezekiah. So basically... Um, he said thank you to God, but he wasn't humble enough. And so God got really pissy and was about to fuck him over. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And um, the wrath would be upon him. And not just him, but Judah and Jerusalem. But then he repented and God was like, okay, my wrath won't be on you then. Wait, (laughs) what did he repent of? Of his pride. Oh, because he took pride in his thank you? No, this this is separate from his thank you. So the thank you, oh. the Thanksgiving thing is in Isaiah. This mm-hmm. passage is in Second Chronicles chapter thirty-two. Oh, okay. So, so we're moving along with the story. So, so the, he had the Thanksgiving pride, thing is done. Right. So he had pride after the thanks. No. Well, sure. So once <laughs> the things we've learned about Hezekiah's reign, and we'll talk a little bit more about it too, is that Judah under Hezekiah prosper significantly. And Hezekiah is very proud of that. And that is pretty much, he does very few things that really piss God off because Hezekiah is one of the good ones, right? Mm -hmm. But, but his pride is one thing that keeps cropping up just a little bit here and there, but then he repents and turns and dials it back and then everything's okay again. But it's just like, I don't know, it's this weird, like, bipolar kind of relationship between the Israelites, the Judean people, and and God. If you fuck up, I'll fuck you up. Oh, you're sorry for fucking up? Okay, I won't fuck you up. Oh, you're fucking up? I'm going to fuck you up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it's it's just the weirdest fear-based abusive toxic relationship yes it is extremely toxic um so anyway hezekiah repented and and he the wrath did not come on them so hezekiah had very great great wealth and honor and he made treasuries for his silver and gold and for his precious stones spices shields and all kinds of valuables he also made buildings to store the harvest of grain new wine and olive oil and he made stalls of, for various kinds of cattle and pens for the flocks. He built villages and acquired great numbers of flocks and herds, for God had given him very great riches. 
It was Hezekiah who blocked the upper outlet of the Gihon Spring and channeled the water down the west side of the city of David. He succeeded in everything he undertook. So this is basically just to demonstrate Hezekiah repented and was loyal and faithful to God and he was given all of the riches and everything he everything he touched was gold. Everything he did, he succeeded at. And that is because, directly because of how faithful and loyal he is to God. Right? Right. So at that time, Marduk Baladin, son of Baladin, king of Babylon. <laughs> These fucking names. Yeah, and now we're sorry, now, now we're jumping into Second Kings chapter twenty. Okay. okay. Um, uh, he sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he'd heard that Hezekiah was ill. Um, and we know now he's not right. So Hezekiah received the envoys and showed them all that was in his storehouses, all the silver, the gold, the spices, fine olive oil, his armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show these envoys from Babylon. Then Isaiah, the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, what did those men say? And where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came from Babylon. The prophet asked, why did they see your palace? What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. First of all, why would you do that? Like when somebody comes to visit my house, I don't like walk them through all of my things and show them like all of my jewelry and all, you know what, like (laughs) every pot and pan I have and like, hey, here's the dvds i own like i don't know this just seems like a really weird thing to do you know what i mean like give somebody a tour if they want a tour of your palace or your kingdom or whatever it just a general basic you know 10 cent tour but like to show them literally everything you own seems like a bad plan yeah i mean it kind of does i I mean it's definitely prideful of him yeah so i mean it's just I don't know. I, I could just see going over to somebody's house and be like, oh, wait, have you seen our new chandelier? Oh, hey, what about our new pool? Hey, why don't you come back here and envy me more? Well, and it's just like all the little things he showed yeah. them. Like, it's not even the big shit. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's just, this seems bizarre. So this is, like you kind of said, a prideful thing. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the words of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who will be born to you, will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of the Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Wait, so, like, Isaiah just sort of randomly comes up to him in the middle of his, like, MTV Cribs tour. Well, when he's done. When he's done? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and Isaiah's like, you know, you're going to lose all your shit. Uh-huh. And your sons are going to become eunuchs for the Assyrians. And <laughs> he's like, your word is good. Like... What does that? What does that mean? Well, he 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 said your word is good, and then he thought that there would be peace in his lifetime. Basically, this would happen after he was gone, mm. but still, doesn't seem like something he would receive well. No, I mean honestly, I'd be a little pissed off at 
like I say, I think the first words out of my mouth be like, whoa, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> well, so this was the story about the envoys in Second Kings. In uh-huh. the, this envoy, uh, this, uh, these envoys from Babylon are also talked about in Second Chronicles, uh, chapter 32. And it says, but when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that had occurred in the land, which... It doesn't specifically say what the sign is. The assumption, my assumption is that the sign is the, the sundial, sundial, the shadow moving backward on the sundial. I um, mean, how do you show that off? It's like you take him up to the sundial. It's like, yep, this bad boy moved back 10 steps right now. <laughs> I mean, you just tell him about it. It was either that or his 15 additional years is also considered miraculous. So I don't know which miracle they're talking about specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, to me, it's it would be harder to sell the idea of I was sick and was about to die, but I got better as a miracle. Yeah. Like, well, I, granted, granted, you have Isaiah saying that God gave him 15 more years and saved his life. I prefer but, to think that the envoy came to see the miracle of his extended life and that he chose to represent that extended life by growing out his mullet. I mean, you are allowed to think whatever you want to think, honey. Yep, they came there to see the impressive mullet. <laughs> was it business in the front, party in the back? <laughs> and the party was almost down to his ass crack. Yeah. That rhymed. I'm a poet and didn't know it. <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, in, in Second Chronicles where they mentioned this, they said God left him to test him and know everything that was in his heart. So the, the envoy was kind of a, a test. Mm-hmm. Uh, a God's test for, for uh, Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah again, right? He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking the off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside of that one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the army of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. So basically, Hezekiah gets out there and he's like, no, fuck these guys and their big ass armies. God's on our side. (laughs) Right? God's on our side. And this was super right in the eyes of God, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though he did make some preparations and things like that and had shields and and weapons made and uh, built another fortified wall and did a blockade of the water so that the Assyrians couldn't get to water, which would, you know, ultimately, if you take, if you take the availability of resources, especially one as basic as water from the, from the army, from the, your enemy, Mm -hmm. they're going to be weakened from that. So he did those things, but he encouraged the people by saying, don't worry about that. God's on our side. Mm-hmm. So he gives he gives glory 
to God and says he'll help us, right? Which is what they should have been doing all the time, all, all the time, according to the rest of the Old Testament that we've read so far. Mm-hmm. Later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent officers to Jerusalem with the message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. So, in Kings, in 2 Kings 18, he says this, The king of Assyria sent his supreme commander, his chief officer, and his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. They came up to Jerusalem and stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to Washerman's Field. They called for the king and Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to them. The field commander said to them, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, on what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have the counsel and the might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it, such as Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all those who depend on him. But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? When Hezekiah says, the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Do you not know what I and my predecessors have done to all the people of other lands? Were their gods of those nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed has been able to save his people from me? How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less will your god deliver you from my hand? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen. Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this, against this country and destroy it. Wait, so his whole argument is that, like, look, I've destroyed all these other civilizations that have their own gods. None of them stop me. Mm-hmm. Don't trust in the god. But also, your God is the one that sent me to fuck y'all up. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess you should trust God to get fucked up. No, they're trying to get they're trying to get the people to turn away from their God and from Hezekiah and join them mm-hmm. and become part of Assyria. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It just seems like such a backwards thing to be like, "Hey, God hasn't stopped me yet." But also God is the one that sent me. Like, I don't know. It just seems weird to me. Well, so if if uh, you remember in previous um, in previous podcasts, we've talked about this in, in, in Kings and in Chronicles. We've read through about how God did send. Well, mm-hmm. how they said that God did send Assyria to attack them. God sent people from outside lands to conquer them because they were fucking up, especially with how it came to Israel. So... Whether or not God did send them, like the God of Israel, whether or not he did send them the Assyrians to destroy Judah, 
We don't know, but Assyria is saying that he did. Well, right, mm-hmm. but I'm just talking about the internal logic of the Assyrian guy. Because on the one hand, he's saying, don't trust your God, mm-hmm. but also trust that your God sent me. Well, I don't think he's saying, don't trust your God. I think he's saying, no God has ever been able to stop me before. Right. And I've conquered all these lands. So basically, your God's not going to be able to stop me now. It's not necessarily a trust thing as much as a, your God can't stop me. Well, I don't know. I still think that it's kind of a trust thing because... That's the big thing with God is that you have to trust in God and he will protect you. Well, I mean, that's true, but I don't think that's what the Assyrians are saying. They're mm-hmm. just saying we're powerful. No, God has stopped us yet. Your God's mm-hmm. not going to stop you now. Or, your God's not going to stop us now. Well, because he sent us. I feel like their God, you know, the Yahweh God sending them to fuck them up mm-hmm. probably should have been like the first thing. <laughs> that they said. That they said. It's like, yo... <laughs> Yahweh gave us this note, told us to like fuck y'all up. So we're kind of here to, for. yeah, we're here to fuck you up. Um, can we get like a tea time of like three? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would have been a better, more effective way. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh, Eliakim, son of Hilka and Shebna and Joah said to the field commander, please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people on the wall. But the commander replied, was it only to your master and you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the people sitting on the wall who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Yeah, I left that out of our pre-meeting so you... <laughs> So I wouldn't ruin it? I mean, holy shit. (laughs) Am I not supposed to come here and talk to you guys about how you're supposed to eat shit and drink piss? Apparently that's what he's there to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, which, you know, they just asked him not to do because they didn't want the other people to understand it. So he just, he said, don't do that. But he did it anyway. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. So there's the whole don't trust them. Yeah. Right. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land of your own, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey. Choose life and not death. So basically he's saying, don't believe Hezekiah and your God. Make peace, come with me, and I will give you all the riches. Choose to live and not to die. Because if you don't choose that, we're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Right? Do not listen to Hezekiah, for he is misleading you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has the God of any nation ever delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva, Iva? No idea. Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries has been able to save his land for me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Sennacherib's officer spoke further against the Lord God um, and against his servant Hezekiah. Then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall. 
to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of other peoples of the world, the work of human hands. Right. So that was a, that that was a mashup of what happened in Kings and what happened the story in Kings and the story in Chronicles. Okay. Right. So we got both of those right there. But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply because the king had commanded, "Do not answer him." Then Eliakim, son of uh, Hilkiah, the palace administrator. Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. Mm-hmm. Okay. When King Hezekiah heard this, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and went to the temple of the Lord. He sent Eliakim, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and the leading priests, all wearing sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They told him, this is what Hezekiah says. This day is a day of distress and rebuke and disgrace, as when children come at to the moment of birth and there is no strength to deliver them. It may be that the Lord your God will hear all the words of the field commander whose, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to ridicule the living God, and that he will rebuke him for the words the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, pray for the remnant that still survives. Can you imagine Isaiah just chilling at home with a beer, you know, watching grass grow whatever the fuck they did then then all of a sudden he gets a knock on the door he opens up the door it's just like three fucks standing there and like potato bags (laughs) (laughs) and he's just like oh fuck what's happened now (laughs) yeah like that's got to be the strangest fucking social call ever (laughs) but no worry because isaiah is prepared for this all right Mm -hmm. So Isaiah uh, predicts, he says, when King Hezekiah's officials came, well, he didn't say this yet. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, all right, tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. Those words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Listen, when he hears a certain report, I will make him want to return to his own country. And there I will have him cut down with a sword. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so let, let me get this straight. So God tells the Assyrians, or at least uh, because the Assyrians know that the the Assyrians know that God has sent them, like Yahweh God has sent them to destroy the the its Judeans, right? Yes. And so well, they don't know that. That's just what that's just that's just what the Assyrian commanders told them while they were saying all of this other shit. So I don't know that they necessarily believe that that's true. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'm just assuming that since they're saying it to them, and the other things are true, like the other gods hadn't stopped them. Like I would assume that they would think that it's true, but well, they're blaspheming against God, so I feel like they're kind of dismissing what uh, that that would be my assumption is that the Judeans would not listen to what they said, though they heard it, they were upset because they were blaspheming their God, oh, and not necessarily believing what they were saying. I'm not saying that the Judeans were believing what they were saying, oh okay, sorry, I'm trying to talk about from the Assyrian perspective, oh. From the Assyrian perspective, you know, they've said at least that they know Yahweh is the one that has sent them to fuck up the Judeans. Okay. And then, you know, of course, they're all pious and stuff. They Mm -hmm. get naked, dress in potato bags and everything, (laughs) and then go and see Isaiah. And Isaiah's like, 
well, you know, God's just going to chase them back to their land and kill them. Yeah. And so from the Assyrian point of view, you have God being like, yo, I got a 50 spot here. Go fuck up these Judeans. And then, of course, God playing the double agent goes over there and is like, ah, you know what? I don't want y'all fucked up, so I'm just going to go and kill those guys that I just paid to come here Mm -hmm. and fuck you up. And so it's it's like a double cross. It's like, holy shit, God, what the fuck? (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't trust you. Yeah, it is. It's very it's very strange how they tell this story. And God is a very confusing character, a very Mm -hmm. confusing character. It doesn't make sense at all. The shit that he supposedly does doesn't make sense. Mm hmm. All right. So when the field commander heard that the king of Assyria had left Lachish, he withdrew and found the king fighting against Libna. Now, in this section, just so you know, we're going to have some Kings chapter 19, some 2 Chronicles chapter 32, and some Isaiah 37 all in here. Okay. So uh, we're going to start with Kings. Now, Sennacherib received a report that Terhaka, the king of Cush, was marching out to fight against him. So he sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the countries, destroying him com- them completely, and you will be delivered. The Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them, the gods of Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath or the king of Ar- Arpad? Where did the kings of Lair, Sepharavim, Hena, and Eva? So basically, before it was the commanders telling the people. Now you have Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, telling Hezekiah, the king of Judah, this same exact thing, just directly. Mm-hmm. You know, you expect your God to save you. Where the fuck are these gods? You know, they didn't save them. Um, so Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple and he prayed. Um, he spread the letter out before the Lord and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And this is what he says. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Is it true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands? They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands? Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So Isaiah, son of Amaz, sent a message to Hezekiah after he did this prayer, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, God's not just going to directly answer um, Hezekiah. He's got to work through prophets for reasons. Um, So he sends Isaiah. Mm -hmm. Um. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. This is what the Lord, this is what the Lord has spoken against him. Okay. Virgin daughter Zion despises you and mocks you. Daughter Jerusalem tosses her head as you flee. Who is it that you have ridiculed and blasphemed? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes in pride? Against the Holy One of Israel. 
By your messengers, you have ridiculed the Lord, and you have said, with many, with my many chariots, I have ascended the heights of the mountains, the utmost heights of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars, the choicest of its junipers. I have reached its remote, remotest parts, the finest of its forests. I have dug wells in the foreign lands and drunk the water there. With the soles of my feet, I have dried up all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago, I ordained it. In the days of old, I planned it. Now I have brought it to pass that you have turned the fortified cities into piles of stone. Their people drained of power are dismayed and put to shame. They are like plants in the field, like tender green shoots, like grass sprouting on the roof, scorched before it grows up. But I know where you are and when you come and go and how you rage against me. Because you rage against me and because your insolence has reached my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the way you came. This will be the sign for you, Hezekiah. This year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. But in the third year sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Once more a remnant of the kingdom of Judah will take root below and bear fruit above." For out of Jerusalem will come a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. Okay? I'm, I'm still I'm <laughs> having to contain myself over the, he put his bit in his mouth. <laughs> mm-hmm. That sounds nasty. <laughs> Some people like putting a bit in their mouth. I don't know. I was thinking of a different bit. He th- So this is what he says about king of Assyria. You ready? Mm-hmm. He will not enter the city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with a shield or bear a... Se- he will not come before it with shields or build a siege ramp against it. By the way he came, he will return. He will not enter the city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So now Hezekiah has gotten an answer to his prayer from Isaiah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That night, and we're back in Kings now, that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. 185,000 the Lord just put to death in one night. Right. Right. God uh, or Jesus, the because the angel, the angel, the angel of the Lord, angel yeah. of the Lord is Jesus, as far as Christianity is concerned, and so Jesus came in John Wick style and just went tent to tent, you know, with the silencers on his guns and everything. Like I feel that. like there was there had to be a more effective way to do that because you know how long it would take to do that to one hundred eighty five thousand people. Listen, okay, Jesus is magical. He can stop time. Oh, so kind of like how Santa delivers presents to everybody in the whole world. Okay. Yep. All right. So anyway, when the people got up the next morning, they, there were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. Um, And that's how, that's how the story goes in Kings. This is how it goes in Chronicles. And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. Uh, And in Kings, it says he returned to Nineveh and stayed there. All Mm -hmm. right. So many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. Of course, 
I mean, <laughs> if a massive Assyrian army comes to your land and somehow 185,000 of them end up dead and the key, this all-powerful king of Assyria who has conquered lands all over the area mm -hmm. um, withdraws in disgrace, I'd imagine the other nations are going to bow <laughs> down to <Yeah>. you <laughs> like oh holy fuck I'm yeah okay. that guy. yeah i'm not gonna fuck with you buddy um, you want to be sure, friends whatever here? yeah let's be friends let's you, let's you, have some let's have some beer together no problem yep sure. you want me to wear a potato sack i'll wear a potato sack <laughs> i'll do whatever I'll, the fuck you want just I'll don't go kill around my butt people. ass naked <laughs> <laughs> so now judah now judah is prospering again so as for um the other events of Hezekiah's reign, all his achievements and how he made the pool and the tunnel by which he brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the annals of the kings of Judah? We don't know because that has never been found. Hezekiah rested with his ancestors. Okay, so that's the death of Hezekiah in Kings. Now here's how it's recorded oh, in Chronicles. Man. Pour one out for Hezi, guys. Yeah. So here's how it's recorded in Chronicles. The other events of Hezekiah's reign and his acts of devotion are written in the version of the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. Hezekiah rested with his ancestors and was buried on the hill where the tombs of David's descendants are. All Judah and the people of Jerusalem honored him when he died. Oh, so he wasn't an anal king in that one? In Chronicles, so Kings is where they always talk about the annals mm -hmm. of the kings of, so that's kind of where they always talk about the annals is in right. Kings. In Chronicles, they, they word it a little differently. It's written by somebody else. So that's all for today. Next week in the Bible, we're going to still have, we're going to have some more Kings and uh, are we going to get some more Chronicles next week? I think we're just going to have second Kings Oh, no, we're going to have a little bit of Chronicles, too. Um, but we're going to go, we're going to have a new king in Judah, right? Right. Um, and our new king is going to be Manasseh. Okay. All right. Manasseh. Manasseh. We should call him Molasses. Whatever you want to call him, that's, it's your deal. I'm going to okay. call him Manasseh. King Molasses is coming next week, <laughs> and he speaks as slow as Molasses in December. <laughs> so there's going to be spiritual decline in Judah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, we've got problems. Um, we're going to go back to some of the idolatry and pagan practices. Um, and that's obviously going to be a serious problem. Um, and Manasseh is a, a very bloodthirsty ruler, right? So right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And we're also going to get to um, some of the messages of the prophets. Um to Manasseh um, about what's going on. Um, next week is kind of a, a, a short week. Um, there's not a whole lot there, but we're going to, we're definitely going to talk about the decline of Judah under Manasseh. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this week's, uh, this week's podcast was the July 10th uh, chapter in, in our daily Bible book. And, mm -hmm. We actually have a July 10th this week, so it's yeah, kind of interesting. Right? On Friday? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Friday. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. All right, King Molasses is next week, <laughs> so I guess we'll see you heathens then. Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye.